what your country can do for you. There's a last time I've got to be in the lead. The Giants have the Peter, oh, you little mouse, so won't you go away? One ringy-dingy. Hand off to Griffin, cracks the middle, gets the five. Touchdown, Ohio State. Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down the plane. I'm interested to know, Gracie, who's your choice? Need you ask, George. Time now for Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. Here with all his skips, scratches, and pops is my dad, Frank Vaccarello. Thanks, sweetie. And thank you for tuning into episode 46 of Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. You've heard some great Oscar-winning music from the big screen in previous episodes. Now it's time to hear some great music from a Tony winner. So prepare to hear English Americans Haven't Used in Years in Volume 46, My Fair Lady.
put her a prisoner of the gutter, condemned by every syllable she uttered. By right, she should be taken out and hung for the cold-blooded murder of the English tongue. Ow. Ow. Heavens, what a noise. This is what the British population calls an elementary education. Oh, come, sir, I think you picked a poor example. Did I? Hear them down in Soho Square, dropping H's everywhere, speaking English any way they like. You, sir, did you go to school? What do you type me for, a fool? No one taught him take instead of type. Hear a Yorkshireman, or worse, hear a Cornishman converse. I'd rather hear a choir singing flat. Chickens cackling in a barn, just like this one. Gone. Gone. I ask you, sir, what sort of word is that? It's ow and gone that keep her in her place. Not her wretched clothes and dirty face. Why can't the English teach their children how to speak? This verbal class distinction by now should be antique. If you spoke as she does, sir, instead of the way you do, why, you might be in selling flowers, too. I beg your pardon, sir. An Englishman's way of speaking absolutely classifies him. The moment he talks, he makes some other Englishman despise him. One common language I'm afraid we'll never get. Oh, why can't the English learn to set a good example to people whose English is painful to your ears? The Scotch and the Irish leave you close to tears. There even are places where English completely disappeared. In America, they haven't used it for years. Why can't the English teach their children how to speak? Norwegians learn Norwegian, the Greeks are taught their Greek. In France, every Frenchman knows his language from A to Z. The French don't care what they do, actually, as long as they pronounce it properly. Arabians learn Arabian with the speed of summer lightning. And the Hebrews learn it backwards, which is absolutely frightening. But use proper English, you're regarded as a freak. Oh, why can't the English... Why can't the English learn to speak? Of course, you can't start any great musical off without the overture. And then Rex Harrison as Henry Higgins with the vocals on Why Can't the English? Which is kind of the entire plot of the story. Okay, why this album? While I'm sure I didn't play this record while I was young and living at my parents' house, the story it's based on has a special place for me. Pygmalion is a George Bernard Shaw play from 1913, turned into an Oscar-winning motion picture in 1938. Back in high school, during a drama class, I played a scene as Henry Higgins, the man who tries to get Eliza Doolittle to speak proper English and act a lighty. <laughs> uh, it was a fun scene, and I'm just glad we weren't doing the musical version. Okay, back to music. While I'll play the music in the order it appears on the album, I will not, as usual, be playing all of the music from the album. The next song lets the audience know that Eliza is up to the challenge. Excuse the early skips. It's rather dull in town, I think I'll take me to Paris. Mm. The missus wants to open up the castle in Capri. Me quiet summer by the sea. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, 
It Be Loverly. That's Julie Andrews as Eliza Doolittle. All right, let me introduce you to the record I chose for this episode. It's Rex Harrison and Julie Andrews, My Fair Lady. It's on the Columbia Masterworks label, number OL5090. It's a vinyl LP album mono format. It was released in 1956. Its genre is stage and screen, and its style is musical. Now, I'm only going to read three of the paragraphs in this lengthy set of liner notes, which was written by George B. Dale. My Fair Lady is beautiful, expansive, tuneful, and hilariously funny. 
Its sumptuous sets by Oliver Smith require the use of two revolving stages. The Cecil Beaton costumes have a charming pre-World War I style, and the pace is swift and witty. But what makes the show so delightful, in addition to the superb score, is the work of its three principal performers, co-stars Rex Harrison and Julie Andrews and Stanley Holloway. Mr. Harrison, long a favorite with the American and British audiences, brings to the part of Professor Henry Higgins all the crisp vitality of his work on the dramatic stage, plus a newfound flair for the musical theater. Mr. Holloway, one of the bulwarks of the London stage and screen, takes over the role of Alfred P. Doolittle and makes it entirely his own in a rich, rowdy impersonation. Miss Andrews, caught between two of the most expert actors in the world and between the crackling high comedy of Mr. Harrison and the robust low comedy of Mr. Holloway, presents one of the most winning portraits imaginable. Competing with memories of such actresses as Mrs. Patrick Campbell, Lynn Fontan, Wendy Hiller, and Gertrude Lawrence, she brings Eliza to vibrant life in a succession of songs, dances, and heartwarming scenes. So triumphantly does she sweep audiences along with her that when she finally conquers the pronunciation of the rain in Spain, a glorious gasp of pleasure and relief echoes through the theater. So closely are the songs interwoven with the plot that even the sketchy outline above will serve to place the music in its context, tracing Eliza's development and her attitude towards Higgins. Each one seems exactly right when it appears, so that it seems as if Shaw had been set to music. A high compliment to Mr. Lerner. Mr. Lowe has pointed all this up with catchy tunes ranging from the rollicking Cockney songs for Mr. Holloway through the pattern numbers for Mr. Harrison up to the ballads for Eliza Souter. And for Miss Andrews, there is a little bit of everything as befits her gradual transformation. All right, let's take a look at the value that Discogs.com had put on this album. First of all, the highest came in at $10.47. Median at four fifty with the lowest at a dollar ninety nine. Amazon had a copy for eight dollars and ninety cents. eBay had a couple with seven dollars and thirty eight cents being the highest price. And I did find a London cast album, uh, which is basically the same people, a, a few uh, different people on it, uh, for fifteen dollars and fifty two cents. I saw it on a U.S. site, so I didn't convert it to uh, pounds and sterling. Now, my dad's record is in extremely poor condition. I mean, this episode has already had its share of skips, scratches, and pops, uh, but it's in such a, it's such a great part of my dad's collection I had to play it. The album cover is surprisingly in fair condition compared to the record itself. There are no markings on it and no really bad wear and tear, and it also is without my dad's signature address label on the front cover, so I'll value my dad's copy at 75 cents. I love the lyrics on this next song. With a little bit of luck, you'll run amok. The Lord above gave man an arm of iron So he could do his job and never shirk The Lord above gave man an arm of iron But with a little bit of luck With a little bit of luck Someone else will do the blinking work Made liquor for temptation to see if man could turn away from sin. The Lord above made liquor for temptation, but with a little bit of luck, 
with a little bit of luck, when temptation comes, you'll keep riding. The gentle sex was made for man to marry, to share his nest and see his food is cooked. The gentle sex was made for man to marry, but with a little bit of luck, with a little bit of luck, you can have it all and not get hooked. Above made man to help his neighbour, no matter where, on land or sea or foam. The Lord above made man to help his neighbour, but with a little bit of luck, with a little bit of luck, when he comes around, you won't be home. Crime for man to go philandering and fill his wife's poor heart with grief and doubt. Oh, it's a crime for man to go philandering, but with a little bit of luck, with a little bit of luck, you can see the blood out, don't find out. support his children, which is the right and proper thing to do. A man was made to help support his children, but with a little bit of luck, with a little bit of luck, they'll go out and start supporting you. With a Little Bit of Luck, sung by Stanley Holloway in the role of Alfred P. Doolittle, Eliza's father. And you also heard Gordon Dilworth and Rod McLennan in there as well. Let's learn a little about the show and the men behind the music. My Fair Lady is a musical based on George Bernard Shaw's 1913 play Pygmalion, with book and lyrics by Alan J. Lerner and music by Frederick Lowe. The story concerns Eliza Doolittle, a cockney flower girl who takes speech lessons from Professor Henry Higgins, a phonetician, so that she may pass as 
a Lady. The original Broadway and London shows stars starred Rex Harrison and Julie Andrews. The musical's 1956 Broadway production was a notable critical and popular success. It set a record for the longest run of any musical on Broadway up to that time. It was followed by a hit London production, a popular film version, and many revivals. Lerner and Lowe refers to the partnership between lyricist and librettist Alan J. Lerner and composer Frederick Lowe. Spanning three decades from 1942 to 1960 and again from 1970 to 72, the pair are known for being behind the creation of critical onstage successes such as My Fair Lady, Brigadoon, and Camelot, along with the musical film Gigi. In August 1942, at the Lambs Club in New York City, 24-year-old American Alan J. Lerner and 41-year-old Austrian Frederick Lowe officially met one another. As recounted by Lerner, the two men met by chance when Lowe took the wrong turn and on his way to the bathroom. Lowe asked Lerner if he wrote lyrics, and upon affirmation, Lowe asked if he wanted to write with him. The two began working together immediately afterward. While the two were quick to work with each other, the initial two musicals Jay Lerner and Frederick Lowe worked on were not a commercial success and would be heavily regarded today as flops. And we'll learn more about this famous soundtrack that they eventually wrote when we get to this episode's interesting side note. Okay, let's see if I can get this right. The Rhine in Spine sties mindly in the Pline. Professor Iggins. Quint. Professor Iggins. Here I'll play or pay day. We will quint. Professor Iggins. A not I. Oh, not I. Pounding, pounding in our brain. A not I. Oh, not I. Don't say right, say right. The rain in Spain. Stays mainly in the plain. The rain in Spain stays mainly in the plain. Again. The rain in Spain stays mainly in the plain. I think she's got it. I think she's got it. The rain in Spain stays mainly in the plain. By George, she's got it. By George, she's got it. Now once again, where does it rain? On the plain, on the plain. And where's that soggy plain? In Spain, in Spain. The rain is in
spinning my dad's vinyl. Bed, bed, I couldn't go to bed. My head's too light to try to set it down. Sleep, sleep, I couldn't sleep tonight. Not for all the jewels in the crown. I could have danced all night. I could have danced all night. And still have made more. I could have spread my wings and done a thousand things. Made it so exciting. Why all at once my heart took flight? I only know when it began to dance with me. I could have danced, danced, danced. All it's afternoon now. Don't you agree? Ought to be in bed. Could have died out all night. Could have died out all night. Your eyes are red. Now say good night, please. Not the light, please. It's really time for you to be in bed. I could have to come along to ask your turn. Or Mrs. Pierce is after school. You're up to date. These pictures wait. Miss, you catch a cold. I'll never know what made it. There is Julie Andrews singing one of her best-known tunes, I Could Have Danced All Night. Before that, we heard The Rain in Spain, 
Andrews, Harrison, and Robert Coote on vocals. Now that song is a turning point in the plot line of the musical. Professor Higgins and Colonel Pickering have been drilling Eliza Doolittle incessantly with speech exercises, trying to break her Cockney accent speech pattern. The key lyric in the song is, The rain in Spain stays mainly in the plain, which contains five words that a Cockney would pronounce with I, I, more like I, than the received pronunciation diphthong A. With the three of them nearly exhausted, Eliza finally gets it and recites the sentence with all proper long A's. The trio breaks into song, repeating this key phrase as well as singing other exercises correctly. All right, time now for this episode's interesting side note. And it has to do with how this musical almost didn't get made and how it almost had another name. My Fair Lady opened on Broadway at the Mark Hellinger Theater. While both Lerner and Lowe were interested in adapting George Bernard Shaw's play Pygmalion into a musical early on in the process, they struggled significantly with creating a musical that would fit the musical's constructs in place at the time, like flashy chorus and large ballet sequences. As the result of many frustrated work sessions and the input of Oscar Hammerstein, who had also tried to adapt the play with Richard Rodgers and failed, Lerner and Lowe abandoned the project. During the hiatus from what would be regarded as many as their most successful musical, Lerner concentrated his efforts on a musical based on the Lil Abner comic, but was one day reminded of Pygmalion when he came across news of the passing of Gabriel Pascal, the film producer who had brought the opportunity to the duo in the first place. After reevaluating the state of the musical theater rules, or rather the new lack of them, and determining that it was no longer necessary to have a subplot or larger-than-life ensemble, in 1954 both Lerner and Lowe resumed the project and continued their efforts on the adaptation. The main goal of Lerner and Lowe was not simply to do justice to the original text, but to create the right songs to emphasize character. It took many failed attempts, tossing out unneeded songs and long hours at the piano before coming across the style they both both wished to utilize, the dramatization of characters' inner turmoil. It was during work on this musical that Lerner and Lowe spent the most time perfecting songs. This came not just at the piano and consisted of playing music, but of talking out moments in the musical and what they both wanted to achieve from those moments. When they were at the piano, Lerner has said of Lowe's style that he would often enter dreamlike states where he would continuously play until a musical moment appeared that they were both overjoyed with. It wasn't until the tail end of the process with previews looming that Lerner and Lowe finally decided on a name for the musical. Lowe's vote was for Fanfaroon, <laughs> but Lerner believed that bore too close a resemblance to Brigadoon. He, along with the rest of the creative team, decided that out of all of their options, they disliked My Fair Lady the least. <laughs> was that for confidence? The year it opened, My Fair Lady won six of the ten Tony Awards for which it was nominated and also won the Theater World Award for Outstanding New York City Stage Debut Performance. During the time it played, it set the record for the longest-running Broadway musical and has had numerous revivals since the original production. And now, one of the hits from the show that was not sung by either Harrison or Andrews.
may suddenly appear. People stop and stare, they don't bother me. For there's nowhere else on earth that I would rather be. Let the time go by, I won't care if I can be here on the street where you And still, they don't bother me. For there's nowhere else on earth that I would rather be. Let the time go by. I won't care if I can be here on the street. There is On the Street Where You Live, sung by John Michael King. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. My Fair Lady still ranks as one of the all-time popular Broadway musicals. Julie Andrews and Rex Harrison were huge names along the Great White Way, and this show helped those reputations. But this is one of those rare shows where there isn't much connection here to my dad other than the record being in his collection. My connection is the aforementioned scene I performed in a high school drama class, and I think the music we heard was a pretty good representation of why this show was so popular. And now... Higgins realizes what he's done, and then time for the big finish. Damn, 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 damn. I've grown accustomed to her face. She almost makes the day begin. I've grown accustomed to the tune. She whistles night and noon. Her smiles, her frowns, her ups, her downs are second nature to me now. Like breathing out and breathing in. I was serenely independent and content before we met. Surely I could always be that way again. And yet, I've grown accustomed to her looks, accustomed to her voice, accustomed to her face. Marry Freddy. What an infantile idea. What a heartless, wicked, brainless thing to do. But she'll regret it. She'll regret it. It's doomed before they even take the vow. 
I can see her now, Mrs. Freddie Ainsford Hill, in a wretched little flat above a store. I can see her now, not a penny in the till and a bill collector beating at the door. She'll try to teach the things I taught her and end up selling flowers instead, begging for her bread and water while her husband has his breakfast in bed. In a year or so, when she's prematurely grey and the blossom in her cheek has turned to chalk, she'll come home and know he'll have upped and run away with a social climbing heiress from New York. Ah, poor Eliza. How simply frightful. How humiliating. How delightful. How poignant it'll be on that inevitable night when she hammers on my door in tears and rags. Miserable and lonely, repentant and contrite. Will I take her in or hurl her to the wolves? Give her kindness or the treatment she deserves? Will I take her back or throw the baggage out? I'm a most forgiving man. The sort who never could, never would, take a position and staunchly never budge. Just a most forgiving. But I will never take her back. If she were crawling on her knees, let her promise to atone, let her shiver, let her moan, I will slam the door and let the hell cat free. Marry Freddy. Second nature to me now Like breathing out, breathing in I'm very grateful she's a woman And so easy to forget Rather like a habit one can always break And yet I've grown accustomed to the trace Of something in the air Accustomed to her face. I've grown accustomed to her face, along with the big finale. 
And there you have selections from a 1956 Tony Award-winning musical. So thanks for tuning into Volume 46, My Fair Lady, However You Did. If you want more information about this show, head over to SpinningMyDad'sVinyl.com. I'll be back next week with all my skips, scratches, and pops for Volume 47, Swings King, Concert 2. Until then, go with the flow, my friends. <laughs>